Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to another episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, me. <laughs> I know. Welcome back to the great state of Texas. That's As right. you came back, I left. I'll be back this week. But here at Compass, y'all, we exist to make disciples, regardless if we are out of town or we're in town, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We do this by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training everyone to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast, either on, on Zoom as we're away, or in person over the microphone, is to fulfill that mission to make disciples. All right, Compass, we have continued our series this last Sunday in House Flippers, and Pastor Hayden preached on God's children out of Colossians 3, verse 20. And let me read that to y'all right now as a reminder. Colossians 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. All right. Well, that was the easiest verse I got to read on this podcast. I still have a little bit of scars from the genealogies in Matthew, but God's word is awesome. Pastor Hayden, you preached on this this last Sunday. What was, what's a focus on the sermon as we prepare for our life groups, as we prepare to do the application questions and to uh, talk about this and discuss it with the people that we love within our life groups? What is the focus that we need to have remembering the sermon from Sunday? Well, hey, guys, I'm so glad to have been back with you in the pulpit this weekend. It was such a great time. Looking forward to jumping into application questions with you guys this week in life groups. As we are uh, overviewing the bit of the sermon, remember the focus is this, that following godly patterns and familial relationships is essential for anyone who desires to effectively lead children to honor God. And of course, we're talking about our, our little children, but we got to recognize something else. We're all children of God. And so these godly family patterns is essential if we want to help other people understand what it means to honor God, even as we are children of God the Father. And I gave it to you in three points, something like this. Point one, you need to recognize that obedient children reflect heavenly realities. That is the way that God has called our children to follow under the leadership of their parents uh, says something about God the Father's relationship to God the Son. And I'll put it to you this way in John 5, verse 30. I can do nothing on my own, Jesus says. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That is that Christ has submitted under the will of the father to do the father's will. And we understand that even as our children submit to us, uh, Christ submits to God, the father. And so it's so important that we understand this relationship of obedience and submission, because it does teach us so much about the realities of heaven and the relationship between God and Christ. Point number two is to reject the desire to accept disobedience as a positive attribute. And as we look at our culture and we understand that uh, these days, you know, disobedience is something that is not only tolerated and accepted, but really it's something that we, uh, that many parents in culture uh, love to see in their children. I love how my child is disobedient. And I hear often uh, people say, my daughter is either going to be the CEO of a business or the, CEO or, the, or the leader of a gang in prison. And it's like, well, we can fix those things, right? I mean, we can help our, our children understand the, the treasure of obedience 
and the godliness that comes from a home that is structured through godly patterns. And I think of verses like 1 Peter 4, 3 through 5, where it says this, the time has passed that suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to these, they, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Here's the reality. As Christians, uh, the time has passed and it has sufficed for doing what the Gentiles do, for being married like non-Christians, for being for raising our children the way non-Christians do, going to work like non-Christians do. That is not what we're here for. We have uh, heavenly patterns. We have biblical patterns of marriage, of, of children, of raising our children, of going to work. And the time has passed to do those things like non-Christians. We now need to live right now understanding that we're going to give an account to God who uh, has given us a stewardship to steward our relationships in a way that glorifies him. So we got to understand that we got to reject the desire to accept disobedience as a positive attribute. And finally, uh, obey your heavenly father. I mean, that is really the, the, the gist of all of scripture. Adam and Eve, what did they do? Disobeyed their heavenly father. What happened to Israel in the Old Testament? Disobeyed their heavenly father. I mean, what do we do? What separated us from God? We disobeyed our heavenly father. And so the whole gist of scripture says, hey, can you please obey your heavenly father? Which is why it's so important for us to teach obedience to our own children, because that in effect helps them understand that their relationship between their parents should be a lot similar to their relationship with their heavenly father. And that is to uh, follow the uh, parameters and statutes of their heavenly father, just like they did their earthly father. Pastor Evan, you got something for that? Absolutely. This is all summed up in one passage. First Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children, well, is this children to parents? No, it's us being the children of God. As the obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you to be holy, be holy in all, you, in all your conduct, since we are to be holy, for he is holy. And so just a reminder that everything is summed up, as Pastor Hayden has been saying, in one passage, is that we are children of God, needing to obey our Heavenly Father. Pastor Evan, you took one of my proof verses for Sunday, but that's okay. We can, uh, that's just good because we've already heard it. So it works out. So uh, such a good text to, uh, to hearken back to, because that is really the gist of it, as Pastor Evan has said. Uh, so as we move forward, uh, what about some things that we missed on Sunday? Uh, you know, something I have in my notes to just point you uh, back to uh, this is, uh, the uh, exceptions for childhood obedience, you know, we're going to get this, you know, uh, what are the exceptions for when children should not obey their parents? Well, okay, we I think we could all agree on the consensus, right? Uh, when there's parental abuse, right? We don't, we don't want our children submitting to that. Uh, we don't want our, our children having to submit to parents living in sin and asking for the complicit uh, participation or the explicit participation of the child in that sin, right? By all means, you, your child can, can disobey in those situations because you're living in sin and your child should not participate in those sins. Uh, and then finally, uh, one, once your adult child has left the home, there is no longer a need for a, uh, sub, uh, a, an obedience that comes with children living under the home. There needs to be an honor and a respect always from birth to death, uh, but it's a different kind of uh, structure. Uh, that's what we read in, in Genesis. 
Uh, two, uh, you, uh, men, when you when you leave your, your father and mother and you will hold fast to your wife. So you leave your mother and father and you cleave to your spouse. There's a difference there. And so once we understand that you're an adult child and you've left the home, there's an honor and respect, but uh, the obedience uh, factor is, is a completely different characteristic once we've left the home. So those are three exceptions that I didn't really talk too much about on Sunday morning because uh, we wanted to talk more about the reality of living in a godly home. If, you're, if there's parental abuse, there's not a godly home there. If parents are living in sin, asking children to participate, that's not a godly home. And there's much more problems to address with that being said. And so those are some exceptions for you guys who, uh, who listened to the sermon and jumped on here to listen to some of the exceptions to childhood obedience. All right, Pastor Hayden, as you preached on that this last Sunday, as we gear up for application questions, what is something that we should have in the back of our minds as we're reading the Bible, answering these questions? What's something that we need to have in the back of our mind as we uh, take these questions and try to apply the verse, uh, the tech, the, apply the sermon you just preached on Sunday? Sure. What we really need to do throughout all these questions is contrast uh, children from a secular worldview versus children from a biblical worldview. Uh, like I said uh, a little bit in the sermon talking about the context is first century uh, was a lot different. Children were a property, uh, just like owning a home or in the first century, uh, the people who had slaves uh, in a lot of ways, uh, children are just property. Uh, and uh, we recognize that children were not highly uh, esteemed in that time period, but the Bible elevated children and elevated the position of a child in the home and elevated the responsibility of stewarding children uh, in, in a godly home. And uh, not much has changed in a lot of ways. Our secular world has uh, not esteemed children. We, we, they're, they're parasites in the womb. You know, they're, uh, they're, they're not necessary. The birth rate has just drastically declined. Children are not seen as a as, as, a, uh, as a blessing, as a heritage from the Lord. Uh, but the Bible speaks so much to the, the, the necessity of children to, to continue the, uh, the, the gospel message, to continue heralding the gospel in future generations, uh, that they are uh, really arrows uh, for parents to shoot out as disciple makers throughout the world. All these things, we just need to recognize that uh, the world does not see children as the assets and benefits they are, but the Bible always has. And so for us, it's asking ourselves, how do we raise our children according to a biblical worldview, opposed to taking all the secular worldviews and trying to raise our children in that way when God has a design and a desire for us to lead our children in a way that helps them know him and obey him and love him. So we have a, a DBR spotlight that we're looking forward to jumping into uh, Joshua 4 through 22. Pastor Evan, what do you have for us on this week's daily Bible reading spotlight? All right, Compass Bible Church. Essentially, in this week, we are almost reading the entirety of the book of Joshua. As Pastor Hayden last week set up Joshua uh, chapters 1 through 3, uh, we will go all the way to chapter 22, but I want to reference all the way to chapter 24 for this podcast, just so that we can get the entirety of Joshua in our mind to remember it's the it's continuation from what happened in Deuteronomy. And also it's going to be contrast to what happens in the book of Judges. Because the point of this podcast, we're in this portion right now, is to help equip you understand the daily Bible reading when you're approaching a text that was written thousands of years ago and how it's still living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even though as 
written for a direct audience. It is still applicable for us as Christians today, uh, living in the 21st century and beyond. But as per usual, I like to kind of mention the name of Joshua. You know, the book of Joshua, you know, is Hebrew, and it's also the same name as Jesus. Jesus's name in Hebrew is, you know, Yeshua. And what that means is Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. So reading the book of of Joshua, you're reading the book of how God, of how Yahweh or God saves and how God is the God of salvation and fulfilling the promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12, as we read earlier this year, that he's going to make Abraham's descendants um, a mighty nation. And here they are crossing over into the promised land. But before you read Joshua, it is a historical text, but I, you would do yourself a very big disservice approaching it how we would approach a historical textbook, a modern historical textbook, because it is history, but it's a narrative history. Or as, um, as Dale Davis in his book, Joshua, No Falling Words, says, and I quote his book, as you read and study Joshua, try to keep asking yourself the question, What is the writer preaching about when he tells me this story? He's not telling you a story to only inform you, although part of it it is informing us. He has a message to you um, to proclaim, a message from God to proclaim and for God to press upon us. And so when you're reading the historical account of Israel conquering the promised land as promised by God, This is a sermon for us to see and understand the truths about God and how we can follow such a great God. So furthermore, let's go through the outline of Joshua real quick. Uh, This comes from the survey of of the Old Testament and every every man's Bible commentary. And this is going to be helpful because it's Joshua's kind of jolting. If you treat it like a history book, it's very jolting. But if you treat it like a sermon, it makes sense. And so the first half of the book, chapters 1 through 12, it's the, possess, the, the possessing of the land, how Israel conquered the, uh, the promised land. They entered into Canaan, the first five chapters. They conquered Canaan, and verses chapters 6 uh, through 12. And it's good to have a map of Israel up so you can follow along, especially in, your, in the study Bible or in Lagos. Because they enter Jericho, which is in the middle of Israel, the central campaign. Jericho and I, and I uh, are in the central of Israel. If you control central Israel, you control all of Israel. And then the next chapters proceeded after they conquered those two cities. It's the southern campaign. And after the southern campaign, it ends with the northern campaign. And then the second half of the book of Joshua is the division of the land, chapters 13 through 24. And this is important. This Again, this seems, some of these texts might seem familiar it's because in back in Deuteronomy and back in Exodus and Numbers, God promised how the land would be allotted. And guess what? The promise is being fulfilled. This is an actual historical account of how God fulfilled his promise. And so when we read this, this should encourage us to know that God is not this guy that we read in a textbook. He's living and active and he fulfills promises in our real world. And so the inheritance of the tribes come to fruition with the overall land and also the primary cities of refuge in the end. And then finally, the book concludes with the last message from Joshua. As Moses gave his last message to Israel in Deuteronomy, Joshua is giving his last message to Israel as they now possess the land. 
And a key emphasis as you read this week, practically through the whole book of Joshua, is to make sure you, you are focusing on the victory through God. Victory through God. Because if you remember, as we read it, the campaign against Jericho, Israel didn't lift a sword to take down the walls of Jericho. They just followed and obeyed God and walked around for seven days. And on the last day, they walked around some more because they were obeying God. And it, in, the, uh, in uh, the city of AI, uh, I can't pronounce AI, um, they were disobedient and they were defeated. And they weren't and they weren't victorious until they submitted back to God's plan. So as you're reading, as they, as Joshua is leading Israel and conquering kings, you know, they have their successes primarily because they followed the God's rules to the T, but like the times where they failed or they got tricked, like with the Gibeonite deception, as you're going to read later in Joshua, they didn't follow God's instructions. They made a covenant with the people they were not supposed to make a covenant with. And they were tricked and they had to fulfill their covenant because of God's a God of promises. And so here they were and they disobeyed God because they didn't follow God's rules. And so we only found, we only find victory within God. And that is made very clear in Joshua 5 verses 13 through 15. When Joshua meets the commander of the Lord's army, Joshua quickly recognizes and remembers and knows, and he's trying to convey this in his sermon to us in his book that the only way that they found victory is because God was with them. And the book ends with this call. It's a challenge even for us Christians to make sure that we are following God. And so Joshua ends his, his sermon with, to Israel saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I mentioned this in the sermon this last Sunday, but remember, this is a rebuke to Israel. This isn't some positive Hobby Lobby thing that we can put up in our home. This is Joshua rebuking Israel saying, you have been disobedient and you have a heart that doesn't follow God. But as for me and my house, we're going to follow God because that's where we know we find victory in. And this all points to Christ. As Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, that our ultimate victory is not found in conquering lands, but in the conquering of sin. But we know as Christians, we cannot conquer sin without Christ. And as Paul said, it's for by grace that you've been saved through faith. Israel is only victorious in the conquest of, is, uh, of Canaan because they trusted in Christ for victory. And as soon as they didn't, they failed. We cannot conquer sin and find eternal life on our own. Instead, it's by turning to the great grace that God offers, not so that we can boast, but instead we can boast in the Lord. And so that ends our DVR spotlight this week. All right. Wonderful daily Bible reading spotlight. Looking forward to reading through this with you uh, in this next week. So we have a couple of announcements. And the first one is this, that we have baptisms on May 1st. So this is the first ever baptisms at Compass Bible Church here in New Braunfels. Ready, Pastor Hayden? I'm Let's so go. Ready. All right. And if you need to get baptized, you need to register online at Compass Hill Country dot org go online and you can register there uh we'll put you through a uh, the registration you'll meet with uh myself or pastor evan and we'll do a baptism interview to get you prepared and ready for what it means to be baptized and who does get baptized so we have that coming up pastor evan what else do we have coming up 
Compass, you better mark your calendars for April 15th and 17th because Good Friday and Easter is fast approaching. And this is the time for us especially to invite our neighbors, our coworkers, and the strangers that we meet to church because this time they most likely will come. Now, even though April 15th is tax day, it is also Good Friday services at prayerfully at our new facility, 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m., so make sure you invite people to come to those Pastor Hayden's and we bring in the gospel like he does every week. But also Easter services. We are now doing an 11 a.m. service because we are going to be doing a celebration after that service. We're going to have bounce houses. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have a ton of fun. So we want to, as a church, gather together for one big service on Easter Sunday to celebrate what God is doing. And we're having this big celebration, obviously because of the resurrection of Christ, obviously because of the conquering of death and the grave. Uh, but we're also doing something real special on Easter, and that is having our grand opening ceremony celebration in our new facility at 2415 Lifehouse Industrial Drive. And so that's why we're having one big service, so that everybody, not just the 11 o'clock, and leaving the nine o'clock out, we're all together as one whole church going to go to church together, worship together, and then we're going to go out and we're going to celebrate the socks off of this facility. And it's going to be an absolute blast. So we're looking forward to you being there on Easter service. Invite your friends. It's all free. Uh, and it's just an opportunity for us to celebrate what God has done in the life of our church and in the lives of those who he has called to himself. And we know uh, compass that we cannot do this without God. And even though the, the building is going smoothly, it's a great thing. The floors are getting put in. Pastor Hayden said that the paint in the first floor is almost done. They're about to pour some concrete in places. So it's moving. But we know that without God, we can do nothing. So join us in praying every single day that God would allow it for us to be able to be in this facility so that we can be faithful to pack it out with souls so that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and rightly respond with repentance and faith and for the saints to be equipped to do the work of ministry. So join us, even though the building is going great, we need God. So please pray with us as we prepare for our grand opening soon. All right, guys, there's a building update. There's your announcements. We look forward to having life groups this week and seeing you again on Sunday. But until then, we want to reach, teach, and train to give glory to God and to build his church. Mm -hmm.